0: Spectrum Health and Human Services is located throughout Western New York. For an appointment, call 716-539-5500. If you are in a crisis, you can call 716-710-5172. Their website is www.shswny.org. Hello to my favorite people ever in the whole entire universe. This is a bonus collaboration episode of Room 9 and Spectrum Health and Human Services. We wanted to put this episode out specifically for 1010 World Mental Health Day. And in this amazing episode, I sit down and talk with the program manager over at Spectrum Health and Human Services Seneca Street location, Brittany Derry. And we just touch on some awesome topics about all the services Spectrum offers and how they're looking to get the community more involved and educated with mental health. And she also touches base on a lot of things she's very passionate about. This is going to be the third collaboration episode I have with Spectrum. I have very much well been enjoying hanging out with them, collaborating with them, and going throughout the company and just kind of getting to know everybody and what they're doing. You can hit up Spectrum at their website at www.shswny.org. Get on there. You can check out all their services. You can check out what they're about. You can check out the team. You can check out their locations, appointments. They have a blog, which is more than likely how you're listening to this or through the Room 9 website. And you can also give a little donation there. So check that website out. And just remember, we need to keep spreading this awareness out and about. So... Share this, like it, get to the websites, comment, email us, whatever it is. Just help us spread this message of education and love and acceptance and not judgment. Oh, and before I let you go, I will note that (laughs) for some reason in the beginning of this, in about five minutes in or so, I say to Brittany, I totally feel you. And I have no idea where that came from, so please ignore that. I was going to edit it out, but it was quite entertaining, so I decided to leave it in. All right, now I'm going to let you go. Enjoy this episode. Make sure you check out Spectrum at their website. Check out Room 9 at Room9Podcast.com. And I will be talking to you later. Peace. Thank you for uh, joining me. You're welcome. You are the, are you now you're the program director here at the Seneca Street location, Spectrum uh, Health?
1: Uh, the program manager. Manager? Yes.
0: Is it, What's the difference? Isn't that the same thing?
1: No? Um, not really. No? Uh I mean, I'd be second in command to my director okay. and go back, yeah.
0: yeah. So the program director, as he listened this, he's like, no, it's not the same thing. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but Awesome. Well, thank you for having me in your office. I have been... Um, in many offices the last week I've been pretty busy doing podcasts all over the place so I'm excited to get another one in this one we wanted we are at least when it's being released it'll be world mental health day so that's kind of what we figured we would discuss and what you see around that your vision is your what you're passionate about what you see we need more of where you would like to see things go okay and I think we can just kind of go with that but first like give me an idea of why you're here, What got you into this kind of field, and what makes you um passionate about working here?
1: so growing up, I've always been into assisting other individuals um either with problems. I've always been an extremely good listener. Uh, and then in high school, I took a course in psychology, and i just I found it fascinating. So then, when I went to college i I went to Niagara University, and my degree is in psychology again. Fascinated with helping people and understanding why people do certain things. So then I pursued my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, was an intern at Spectrum, and then was offered a position and kind of just spurred my career.
0: So as you were getting your master's, (laughs) you were interning here? That is correct. Awesome. So when you, before you got your, ma- did you have like a job lined up here already or was it something you applied for after you received your degree?
1: So I actually was hired before I graduated with awesome. my master's degree. That's exciting. So it was like very exciting. I feel like
0: not, that there's not too many people who can say they got their job before they even technically got their degree.
1: Yeah, I was, I was very lucky. Yeah, actually. that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, most people are uh, working at Starbucks, so trying to pay off their college education and not using their degree.
1: Well, I mean, I, I started out at Best Buy, and then as an intern, um, they asked me to apply, and I ended up getting the position. So I was very lucky com- considering everything that was going on. So,
0: did you start just at this location, or did you kind of bounce around for a little bit?
1: So, I <laughs> it's kind of funny you asked that. So, I was an intern at our 1280 Main Street location. Okay. Um, was hired for this location, went to our Orchard Park Road location then back to 1280. Um, And then I was offered a position to work at our satellite clinics, which allowed us to integrate behavioral health services within a physical health facility. Um, So I actually worked at multiple different primary care facilities, counseling individuals who needed it in that setting. Uh, And then the program manager position became available and I applied for that and ended up receiving that as a new career option.
0: That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I myself am a pretty big fan of psychology. Just interested in reading it as a hobby, as opposed to watching like football on Sundays, I'd probably rather read a a psychology book. Yeah, I totally feel you on that because I love helping people. I've always known from a young age that I needed help people. I've kind of ignored that for a majority of my life, but I, you know, up until pretty recently, I mean, I would help people randomly, but as far as trying to do something like that for a living, I think I just ignored it. I came to a conclusion, which I tell a lot of people, that's one of the big reasons for my using was going to a job, getting nothing out of it, feeling empty afterwards and just feeling like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life away. So yeah, I love that and appreciate that.
1: I mean, I grew up in a family of doctors, nurses. I have a bunch of siblings who are in the medical field too. So I've always had that, the medical aspect as a passion as well. Um, and I think people need to be more aware of that with addiction, with mental health mm-hmm. because there's they co-occur so often and have a big impact in relationship with each other,
0: yeah, I often feel like they're this you're almost talking, obviously, they're not the same thing, but you're almost talking about it almost goes without saying, I guess is the what I'm looking for when you talk about a you know substance use and mental health. I always, and this is a personal feeling that when it comes down to, Anybody trying to escape and numb, usually it has to do with some kind of a mental health issue.
1: I com- I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean i've I have many individuals who one of the reasons, as you said, uh, use is to escape what they're feeling, how they're feeling, and but then end up realizing after that, say high goes away, those symptoms are ten times worse. Mm-hmm. It's just a fascinating field and it's ever changing.
0: It is. And it keeps you on your toes. We don't we're not even in the ballpark of knowing everything we need to know. And I think addiction in itself is such a like it's just so different with I, every I person. Completely and, agree. And the same thing with mental health, how to take care of depression or anxiety. It's just so different with every person. And then you add the two together and it's like a bomb waiting to go off. Yep. I personally enjoy the challenge. Of you know, reading it and trying to figure out just the different pathways of what works for what person. And the only thing I ever get annoyed with in this industry is somebody who just feels like they have the definite answer to everything. Like this is it. This is how you got to do it and try to force that upon other people. That's one pet peeve of mine.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, one thing that we do here is we, we don't treat every single person the same. Each person is different that walks through our door. Say you have two people who have schizophrenia that walk through your door. Their symptoms may be different, so you can't treat them identical. You have to offer them, obviously, every service that we have, but you have to make sure it's applicable to what their needs are.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great point. There's so many people that have the same diagnosis, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but yet you have to treat them completely differently because of how either... I always tell people... It could be some the littlest thing could change how you have to interact with a human being, something that's happened to them. And you can have like the exact identical lives with the same two people, except one little trauma or traumatic experience. And you have to deal with that person completely differently.
1: Oh, I I completely agree. One of the things I want as we learn more about mental health is spreading education. I don't think people know enough about it. I mean, you have the commercials for the medications that are out there, but I think that's not enough. I think as society learns more about mental health, I think people just need to take courses, have the education regarding what type of symptoms someone may be experiencing. Um, I mean, you have someone walk down the, the street, you pass them, and they're, they're talking to themselves. You don't know what they're doing. You have no idea what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I would not make faces or anything like that because that could push them in a way that you might not expect.
0: Yeah, and not to mention, I'm constantly walking down the street talking to myself. (laughs) I'm sure people are always looking at me like I'm crazy. But yeah, one of the biggest stigmas I find that I've talked about with a couple other counselors and stuff Mm -hmm. on this uh, podcast is you get yelled at by somebody who loves you if you don't go to your primary care physician once a year to get a checkup. If you don't, if you're sick and you hurt yourself and you have to go to a physician, you get yelled at for not doing that. But when it comes to psychological problems, you become you become labeled weak and not strong enough when you go to try to get help for a mental disorder. And that is one of the biggest things that I've seen that needs to change is just that stigma of you're weak if you go get help mentally.
1: No, I, I agree with that. I, I think someone who, who comes for help, that's a sign of strength mm-hmm. I mean, in the mental health world because I think it takes more... More strength to ask for help than to just sit there.
0: It absolutely does, um, and I know and courage I'm, and your bravery. Exactly,
1: I, I tell individuals all the time. I said one of the biggest steps you took was to walk into my office mm-hmm. and to ask for help. I said there are so many people out in this world who who are struggling with anxiety, who are struggling with depression, who are struggling with suicidal ideations, who don't ask, and then it goes unnoticed, and then say something happens, and you're like, why didn't they go ask for help? And then you sit there thinking, and it's a tragedy that not more people are are asking for help.
0: It is, and that's one of my main purposes of having the podcast is getting this out there and you know letting people know you're not alone. Go ask for help. Go talk with somebody. Yeah, I mean, even for starters, if it's a friend, just to kind of get out of your shell, because I feel like the longer we keep stuff locked in and you know repressed and stuffed down and we ignore it the heavier and stronger it becomes and the harder it becomes to get out of it. I agree. And that's something I really would like to really spread with this podcast and even our conversation, especially when we're releasing it, it'll be World Mental Health Day on October 10th. No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) None. (laughs) But I would love to really just kind of let people know go out and talk. Just say it. Just talk about it. I feel like that's one of the biggest hurdles of everything. They always say that about addiction, the first step to admitting is quitting. and But it kind of is true, even though it's an annoying cliche saying. I remember the first time I said that I'm in, you know I had a problem with addiction, it was like a weight off my shoulders. To continuously say that I don't feel like is healthy, but to at least start to take care of the initial problem, to admit something and say, I'm struggling with this is such a big, big relief.
1: Yeah, because I mean, even within just families, trying to talk about it is always difficult. Yeah, I've had some individuals who who refuse to talk about it with their family because the family feels as, as though it's taboo. I would let them know because they don't know what you may be going through, what the symptoms you may be dealing with, why you can't leave your bedroom.
0: Well, it takes once of like your parents saying toughen up or the typical act like a man.
1: Yeah, the those cliché mm-hmm. sayings, and sometimes that actually makes it worse when they say that.
0: It's probably say most of the time. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to hear "toughen up" when they're struggling with something.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And I mean, obviously, it's important to be strong and you know face things, but like we just kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, it takes more strength to go say "I need help" than it does to not say anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I've had so many individuals come into my office and they're like okay i've been struggling with depression for 10 years this is my first time coming Ever to treatment it's crazy and then the symptoms they tell me and what they've been struggling with i'm like what what prevented you from asking for help and a lot of it is the stigma associated with mental health
0: and is that what you see the most of yeah, when people just I see a lot because of, of the stigma with the it? stigma
1: the name of it that they have they don't want to be labeled
0: with the labels okay mom
1: and i said well that." I mean, yes, that may seem like it matters. However, if you are not going to ask for help, this could develop into something 10 times worse. You may not be able to develop the skills to de- handle a situation. What I like about what we do at Spectrum here is we actually have started having so many different types of groups to help, ma- help those individuals develop the skills. I mean, we have a seeking safety group at my site, building skills to overcome trauma. We have an anxiety coping skills group. We have an interpersonal conflict resolution group who have for those who have struggling with anger we're starting to develop to have all these groups to help each and every one well each and every individual develop the skills to take on each day because i think a lot of people don't have good enough skill set when they're struggling and so we're we're here to help them with that
0: so you guys are starting to really kind of form individual groups to help people with different diagnoses. correct yeah that's great That's great. So what would like a a typical like seeking safety group look like as far as like a subject matter and, you know, what you a few things that you show people how to cope with certain things?
1: Well, I think, again, depends on the type of what reason they're in that group group for, for. because what we would have or we have a curriculum that we can follow to make it applicable to what they're there for. Our seeking safety clinician's name is Donna, and I know she's phenomenal at it. People are learning skills on how to, say, grounding techniques to help them. If they may be triggered to a situation that happened in the past, they utilize that skill and it brings them back to the present. So they learn different skills such as grounding, meditation, all of that. It makes me happy when people leave here smiling because when they walked in, they had a low-looking face on.
0: It's awesome to see that. It's awesome to go to a place where you know you're not being judged, you know you're not being labeled. And I think that language, that whole thing about like language and how what we use and how we're talking with people Mm -hmm. and how you just mentioned earlier how that's one of their biggest worries is being labeled as a depressed person or somebody with anxiety or somebody who is suicidal. And we identify with a word and think that's just completely us. And that was one of my points earlier saying how after a certain point in my recovery, I didn't like identifying as an addict anymore. Because there's so much more to who I am and what makes me me than just my addiction, yeah. just my substance use. And I think that's part of what we want to do is end that stigma and show the people that you're more than just a depressed person. Or you're more than somebody who's going through anxiety or PTSD or whatever it is that you happen to be going through. You're, yeah. just, you're more than that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to do, companies like Spectrum and you know other companies in the area. You know what? You what do you see that needs to be done? I guess let's start with what is going. What are we doing good? That's positive first in this area, as far as getting rid of stigma, as far as helping people being able to offer services to more people.
1: Well, I think one of the the biggest things that we're doing is is being able to provide more. More resources for people um i know with spectrum we're a part of the ccbhc which i'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is no um, what is that it means we're a certified community behavioral health center okay so we actually have a lot more resources to provide to others we have peer support specialists um we have case managers for for example say someone doesn't have a primary doctor we actually have people that will help you find one we recently launched a holistic health initiative so that was
0: the first room nine in Spectrum episode. Yeah. Yep. So,
1: I mean, starting there, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And again, we're having all these different types of groups. We have psych social rehab. So we have like skill building groups that we can provide to people. So it's not limited to just this building or say another Spectrum clinic. We can go out. Say you have someone who struggles with getting to the clinic. We actually have a team that goes to that person, helps them. And the goal is to be able to have that individual come back to the clinic and receive services on site.
0: So you would go to somebody. Mm-hmm. We have a community and team. Yes. Try to get them to come. Eventually, to a site, yes. Eventually. I mean,
1: obvi- we would provide the counseling services where they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. in the hopes to lead them back to the clinic, so that we can provide even more services on site. I mean, we have the psychiatrists that provide medication management services, not for only those who need it for mental health but for medicated assisted treatment, mm-hmm. those who, who struggle with addiction as well. Another thing that I think we are doing really well with is making us known to all of society. A few months ago, I actually was at the Blue Cross and Blue Shield building downtown talking with the individuals who work in the building and and letting them know what we do, what we offer. Um, and I know I had many questions asked, okay, well, can you do this? I said, of course we can. They were more asking for people within the family. So I think doing these little uh Mental health fairs, I, I guess you could call mm-hmm. them—allows individuals to actually realize what Spectrum does and identify that we're not the cable company.
0: Oh my gosh! Shout out!
1: I, I can't tell you how many times that's. Hi, can you help me with my cable box? And I'm like, no, this is not that kind of Spectrum. Oh but, my gosh! But I think just allowing them to know what we we have to offer is just huge because.
0: What were some of the like questions that you people are asking of services that you guys offered here?
1: Do you provide medications? I think that was that's one of that's a big one. That's a yeah. big one. Do you help kids? Yep, because I know we have a. I, there was a lot of parents at the this fair who were like, "Okay, my kid is struggling with this, this, and this. Do you have a clinic that would be able to help them?" I said, "Of course we do." I said, "Provided them with a little pamphlet." I said, "This one, this site, and as well as this site, offer children services." I said, "Well, what, where do you live?" And they would tell me. I said, "Well, this one would be the closest for you. We're not limited to just adults. We can see from super young." To a, a little super bit old. yeah i just, I just didn't <laughs> want to say it like that because i didn't want to come across as as mean or anything like that but
0: super young to super old i mean they're super old people so they're out there
1: you said and it, they so. might
0: they might need help <laughs> but no that's great and i i didn't even know you guys did services for kids yeah so i think that's important to get out there and do you see mostly like co-occurring
1: i see. A lot of what I see is co-occurring. It's okay. not, I mean, there are some individuals who come with just C, like a CD diagnosis, but more often than not, I mean, when I do assessments, I see people struggling with both mental health and substance use. And at times they're not even aware of it. And then I, I educate them. I said, okay, what's going on? And and they, they tell me a little bit about their life story. I said, okay, when did you start using a substance? And they tell me a day and I'm like, okay, why? Hmm. And then they tell me, okay, it's masking, uh, this, or th- that. this, this, yes, this or that. And why do you keep going back to that substance? And they're like, well, it, it helps me. And I was like, is it? And I, I kind of mm-hmm. use gentle confrontation to educate them. OK, well, if you're using to mask how you're feeling or masking depression, but you're using a depressant.
0: Yeah, that's why I, I wondered if there was just more kind of people coming in for just mental health. And then you kind of find out about a substance or if is it just people kind of getting referred? Do you have a lot of walk-ins that come in? We do, okay. actually.
1: We actually, I think, have some now, but we have them every day, Monday through Friday, um, sometimes some in the morning, sometimes some in the afternoon, sometimes both. And we, we try to see people. If someone's struggling, we will see them that day. There really shouldn't be a wait to come seek our services.
0: Do you find that most people don't come back? Do they? Do you kind of see somebody and then find that they tend to come back more often?
1: I think it depends on what... They're looking, for, they're looking for, um, and how ready they are. That is one of the biggest things is if, if someone is not ready to change, that person may not come back. However, there are those who at first are not ready, but then once they start kind of engaging in services and realize what needs to change or how they want to change, that brick wall is being torn down.
0: Well, that's, a, that's one of the biggest steps for sure. People tried to force me to quit my, with my opiate addiction, and it never worked until I was ready to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I imagine that's the same thing for anything anybody wants to change in themselves Yeah. throughout their lives. So I guess kind of going forward with this, what are you hoping to see change? What is like your vision for the future of ending stigma and being able to reach more people and get more people to ask for help and look for services?
1: I think the biggest thing is for people to realize that they're not alone. They're not the only ones, say, struggling with anxiety or depression or, or schizophrenia for that matter. That they can ask for help. They can receive the assistance that they need. They can, they can learn the coping skills. I think the biggest thing, like I, I think I said at, towards the beginning of the podcast, is that I'm big into teaching education. I think people need to learn about the various mental health disorders rather than just saying oh my gosh that person it has it's schizophrenic no that person has schizophrenia
0: mm. um back to the language it's mm-hmm. language is
1: huge and again i think behind that is the education piece i come to work learning something new every single day even if it's something small, I'm learning. And I think that's what society needs to do with mental health in order to reduce the stigma associated with it.
0: Yeah, well, nobody ever says, there's John, he's cancer. Yeah. and <laughs> Like, nobody ever says that.
1: But they could say, hey, that's John, he's a schizophrenic. Yep. I honestly, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is when I hear that. I said, no, that person is struggling with schizophrenia. That's not who they are.
0: <laughs> that, that drives me nuts. It's- and I, I think people don't even realize that they're saying it half the time, which is why, again, we need to get kind of this education and this awareness out there. Correct. Because I, I truly feel most people aren't saying it to be aggressive, to be a douche, to be angry. Mm-hmm. I think they just, they I mean, we, we don't pay attention to it and we just say it. And if we don't bring awareness to it, I think if you bring, I should say, if you bring awareness to people, I I would have to say in the majority of people would be like, you know what? I never thought of that. Yeah. I and mean, that's true. They're not schizophrenic they're struggling with schizophrenia or they're struggling with depression or they're struggling with anxiety or PTSD or whatever it may be and i think most people would when they hear this would be like oh i should pay more attention to my to my language
1: like you said before that the language piece is huge you see individuals say even on like social media that are mm-hmm. struggling and then you see comments that could just bring that person down even further. And I'm like, okay, you have no idea what that person is going through. Ask them if they need help. Reach out. Say you're, if it's something concerning, say you're concerned. Is there anything that you can do to help them? Even just that statement, can I help you, could change that person's complete day. Or just smiling at someone who's who's mm-hmm. who walks by you, who's frowning. That smile could change that person's complete mindset. Because that, I mean, that person could be struggling with, like we talked about before suicidal ideations and you ask them hey is everything okay just that simple question
0: well maybe somebody cares
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and and shows that okay i'm not alone i can go ask for help and that could spark that person's road to recovery
0: yeah i tell most most people probably we don't even realize when we have done something positive for somebody Mm -hmm. throughout our day and i think sometimes we're looking for like this home run hitter and as you said, sometimes it could be just a simple, let hello. me get you coffee, or how are you doing? Oh, good seeing you. I like your sweater, whatever it may be. I mean, that really makes a difference in a lot of people's lives.
1: Yeah, a simple gesture could go a long way for that person. Mm-hmm. A simple, like I said, hello, could, honestly, it could change that person's life. Not necessarily, but it could it, could. it, could no, it just could. Yeah. change how they feel I mean, um, it's about all, society.
0: It's all kind of interconnected. Everything mm-hmm. goes in a circle almost, like you saying... Hey, how you doing? Hope you have a good day. Could totally change somebody's mindset to be receptive to something further down mm-hmm. in the day. That's going to have a bigger impact. Most definitely. And it's all kind of like a the, the snowball effect. Where, yeah. But that can also go the opposite. And if you you know, you know say something negative to somebody, I mean, that could get them to miss opportunities that could help them further on the day. It's Just all so interconnected. And I don't want to make it sound like we have to walk on eggshells all the time, but just... Being more open Aware. and genuine and authentic with people, you know, letting them know they're not alone and letting them know you can do this and have a great day and here's a cup of coffee or high five. I don't think people give high fives much anymore. I give
1: high fives almost every day. So I don't go. know what you're See? talking high about. High
0: fives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that that simple gesture, that simple high five, that person could be struggling and be like, OK, hey, you want a high five and give it and instantly mm-hmm. smile or the simple fist bump.
0: Oh, yeah. The good like, old fist bump. The classic
1: fist bump that I've seen makes so many people smile because I'm like, oh, that person's recognized me. Mm -hmm. I'm not just a person just sitting there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. It makes me smile. Yeah.
0: I mean, we're both kind of laughing and smiling about it. Just saying (laughs) fist bump. (laughs) As far as the people who are coming in out in the waiting room, do you find that you're ever like understaffed and struggling? Do you see a need for more room for more people in this industry, more services provided? I read a article a couple days kind of thinking forward to talking about mental health and all mm-hmm. that. And I think it said like, and now granted, I didn't get to like research it and back up how much validity it had, but I think it said almost like two thirds physicians don't even know where to you know recommend somebody to go get services for mental health. And do you find that we just need more of it around in the area that we need more, not only necessarily maybe people in spectrum, but just companies in general that are going to help with mental health?
1: I think there are a lot of agencies. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have even more. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I think it goes back to the education and making people aware of what services are out there to help those who are struggling with mental health. We could always use more clinicians. We could yeah. always use more nurses. We can always use more doctors. Uh, we could always use more office staff. You can never have enough. There's, I, no
0: t- there's no such thing as too much. Correct.
1: Um, there's no such thing as too many clinicians that work say for spectrum
0: that's a fair point
1: like going back to primary health care too there's not enough doctors in this world
0: no there's so. not that's why it takes six months to get one sometimes a primary care physician <laughs> but what other what other needs do you see because i don't think mental health is going away no i think there's becoming more and more awareness of it mm-hmm. which is awesome to see and i think you're seeing more and more people come out and say yeah i'm struggling with this which is again awesome to see but wh- wh- where would you kind of like to see things go in the future Tough question.
1: It is a tough question because I don't think there's just one answer. Mm-mm. I think, again, education. I think awareness. I think we need to spread how we provide those services in terms of, say, the homeless. Being mm-hmm. able to go there and ask, okay, how can I help you today?
0: So do you think we kind of need to get out there and talk to people? I think so, yeah. And see I, what I, they would like to see happen?
1: Because I think we need to ask what they need more knowledge about. Yeah. Um Because... Yes, I could keep saying education, education, and education, but maybe people have the education, but they they want to learn something else. I think we need to ask individuals, okay, what do you want to learn more about? How can we help you understand this field better? So I think, yeah, I think we need just the awareness piece too,
0: kind of get out there and yeah, and just talk, yeah. And talk, yeah, go I to think- schools,
1: go to go to doctors' offices, go to colleges. Because how many, I mean, how many kids are in college who are struggling each day to just even go to class?
0: I just talked to, uh, I think you were juniors in high school. I went in my, one of my best buddies is a teacher at performing arts and he's a communications teacher. So I got to talk about my podcast and stuff because he's having them do a school podcast and each student has to do an episode. So he brought me in to talk to him and I got to totally throw in a message of mental health and addiction and stigma and stuff. And I was blown away. I was going in there expecting, I think in high school, I probably would have just slept through this class. <laughs> and so I'm going in there with really no expectations of people probably not going to pay attention. They were just so interested in not only the the podcast aspect, but also they had questions like, When did you know like you had to really change things and how did you get the strength to go ask for help and questions like that. And I think there is such a need to go to schools. I mean, you see the mental health issues so much in teenagers, which is always dumbfounding to me. I can't believe how many teens are struggling now. And I don't know what necessarily that has caused it. I just don't recall when I was a teenager.
1: But again, that might be the not being aware
0: and maybe not talking about it. Yeah. And having those
1: goggles on mm -hmm. that. Okay, I just I got to get through today. Got to go to my class. Got to go to homeroom or whatever. And then I can go home. But not actually being aware of, okay, that kid walking down the hall has his head down and may have tears running down his face. Mm -hmm. But not being aware of that, you didn't have the chance to say, hey, are you okay? Can I help you? Is there something that we could do? Anyone we can go to? So uh, the awareness piece, and and not having just those those goggles on with okay, I got to do this, this, and this, and I'm I'm going home. But seeing what other people are doing and how they're acting and responding, because someone might re- respond say very harshly, and they might be struggling, they might have had some sort of situation happen at home, which caused them to respond a certain way, mm-hmm. and, and be like, okay, what? Well, Whoa, well, that's not the normal you. What's going on? Just asking that simple question.
0: Yeah, I could tell so many of them knew somebody in their family, a close family, or themselves were either struggling with addiction and or mental health. Mm-hmm. And I could, I mean, I just seen it on their faces. And it was so, I was thrown back by it. I, I had such a smile doing that presentation when I left because I really was totally not expecting any kind of acceptance or not acceptance is the word, but just them paying attention. You yeah,
1: know, the realization, okay, them, yeah. that I am not, again, the, I am not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go ask for help if I need to. And
0: they they needed, to, I think they really needed to hear that. So I'm trying to actually get, get it lined up where I can do a presentation with the whole school. And then from there, I would like to get all Buffalo Public Schools. it would be awesome. And a contract. That's my goal. We'll see if it'll happen. But I think we need to attack it, too, a lot more when it's at a younger age with people. Because, I mean, if you're say 15 16 now struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever may be and you wait till you're 26 i mean that's a decade of ignoring repressing and it's just that much more difficult to get somebody to even come here
1: yeah and and to to just get it out Mm -hmm. because they've repressed it for so long they may have forgotten about it and then out of nowhere there might be some word that triggers it Mm. and it could cause a spiral very quickly correct and who knows what could happen
0: the mind dumbfounds me when I think about it. Like you can just swear you know something is true or not true. And then with every part of your your being, you could believe something isn't there or is not there or is there, I should say. And it could be completely wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I, like I said, I find the mind just a fascinating mm-hmm. thing. And I, I've always found it that way. My goal is to better understand why people do the certain things that they do or act the certain ways that they act because there may not be a definitive answer. But the more we learn about the mind, the more we learn about mental health will help us understand the world better.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I can't imagine there is a definitive answer for... I mean, we're all so much alike, but yet so completely different. Yeah, I mean,
1: you think about some of what's been going on in the world, mm -hmm. and you have no idea what the reason is. But potentially learning more about okay, mental health in general and, and then the mind allows us to potentially better understand their actions. I mean, one of the biggest things that I, I can't stand as well is say that there is some sort of event that was done by one person and automatically they assume that that person is struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. And that may not be the answer. They just assume. I don't like the, the assumption aspect.
0: So. Which there is. I read... um Oh, was, this was a while, about probably almost six, seven months ago, there was an article on. It was after one of the the shootings. OK. And it talked about how just assuming and, you know, labeling automatically that, you know, a, a shooter is struggling with mental health is really, you know, putting and adding to the stigma so much more.
1: Yeah. And I, I like we talked about multiple times throughout this podcast today is I hate that. Honestly, mm-hmm. I can't stand it. Even some of my friends have done that. And I can't stand it. And I'm like, you have no idea what that person is going through. <laughs> you cannot just say that person is struggling with mental health. Okay, that's a broad term.
0: It's extremely vague and broad. Yes.
1: I'm like, what do you mean? And I, I will challenge them, and we'll go into a debate. And obviously, I would win. Yeah. Because again, the education piece is that they they're not aware and they they don't understand.
0: I mean, a lot of people don't. And I think, like we talked about earlier as well, is. Sometimes that's all people need is to be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I didn't even think of it that way.
1: Yeah. giving them a different perspective mm-hmm. and giving them a little insight of what that person might be going through. And then you see the faces of them and they're like, wow. I, again, didn't think of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It It's just it's amazing. Most people aren't going to intentionally attack somebody no. or label somebody. And we all kind of behind closed doors. Like we make jokes with the people we love. Like my girlfriend She constantly she's the one who actually eventually called the cops on me, too, and got me arrested. So we I mean, we jokingly, you know, be like, well, if you didn't call the cops on me, and she'd be like, if you're not a junkie behind closed doors, but I know where we stand. Yeah, for me to say that to somebody I don't know, and to label somebody I don't know, and use the terms like junkie and even addict nowadays, just use these words is, I mean, it's not doing any good. And it's making things worse. And that's the same thing with mental health. Agreed. If we're not paying attention to our language and the things we say and what we're doing around people. I mean, I think the word, what's the other big word like people hate? My sister hates it, too. She's a special ed teacher, special education oh, teacher. Oh, I know what you're talking and about. Saying, and I don't like saying it. Yeah, I, retard I, is a huge one yeah. that people.
1: I'm like, who?
0: Yeah. And, and I, I'm like, it's I'd, insane. Yeah. Can you
1: not say that? I said, that's,
0: <laughs> she always. She always would yell at me about it all the time. You know what? This is my. She's six years younger than me too, and she's like she would get so mad when I would say that. But it's one of those things. I mean, I'm very aware of the language that I use when I'm out in public. When I'm especially now, kind of wanting to push a business forward. Yeah. I mean, sometimes something like that can completely ruin somebody's life. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I've you know been so much more aware aware of it going through the rehab and going through now. You know, starting my own business and trying to push mental health and substance use education forward and having people to be able to access it Mm -hmm. easier to wrap things up. I always do this is ask somebody this vague, simple, basic question that if you had some advice to give somebody, this was it. What can you say? This is your legacy. This is it right now. You'll never be able to say anything else again, Brittany. This is it. Nothing can ever be said ever again. After you say this, what would you kind of give, Somebody who's struggling, somebody who feels alone, feels lost, feels isolated, what would you tell them?
1: Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take that step to get the help you need because that step could be one small step, but it could change your life. And I I think that's what I would say is don't be afraid to take that step.
0: And lots of times that step does change somebody's life.
1: Correct. And I know there's so many cliche sayings, but take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Don't try to take leaps and bounds because that leaps and bounds aspect may cause you to fall because you're trying to do too much all at once. Don't try to do too much all at one time because that can cause you to slip. And we don't want that. We want to help you take those steps to build the skills to succeed, to change.
0: Yeah. And I think that's super important, especially when you talk about not trying to do too much. I think every individual struggles with it because they like to set these goals that are way up here. And don't think about any of the goals in between. Yeah. And I think it's so important for me. I started off making my bed every day. I remember when I hit my one year of sobriety, I remember saying not being excited about the fact that I had one year clean. I was more excited about the fact that I literally made my bed right when I got up every day for a year. And no matter what happened that day, I could come home and be like, you know what? At least I made my damn bed. Yeah. <laughs> Th- that, <laughs> I could that's have the worst day step. ever. Yeah.
1: I I mean, one of the, biggest things too is or kind of going off of that is when i i have a, a, someone come into my office and be like this is where i feel most safe right now this is mm-hmm. where i feel most like myself because you aren't judging me and i'm taking the, the steps to ask for help to change to change me because to change who i want to be and, and who I, i'm meant to be
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's i think that's huge and i think taking it a step further and even if it's two months from there taking yeah. another step forward I mean, eventually you're going to get there. A the clinical psychologist I love talks about, he always says, aim lower. <laughs> and it, it's true. If you, you set a goal and you don't obtain it, that means you just you know lower it a little bit and take a shorter step, a smaller step to get to that bigger one. Yeah. And I think that's super important. Why don't you, before we sign off, throw services, how people can get in touch, the location, all that jazz.
1: All right. Uh, so again, I'm Brittany Dairy. I'm the program manager over at 2040 Seneca Street. You may get a hold of us either to, to set up an initial appointment. You can call our central intake number at 539-5500, or you can even call us right on site at 662-6638.
0: All right. Brittany, thank you so much. Thank you for having for coming me. On. Hope thank you had fun doing this.
1: It's been interesting and I enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. Peace out. I hope you enjoyed that collaborative episode of Spectrum Health and Human Services in Room 9 for World Mental Health Day. Again, Spectrum's website is www.shswny.org. Get on, check them out, give their blogs a read, see what they got to offer, meet the team on there. And we will have more of these collaborative episodes so you can continuously meet the team in more depth. All right, guys take it easy have a great rest of the week and you will be hearing from me again very very soon i am out of here